Hey, everyone. Before we start today's episode of Ringer FC, we wanted to tell you about a couple things that are happening at the Ringer. Um, on the website, we have just ongoing written World Cup coverage to go along with the beautiful words we're providing to you on this podcast every day. Um, we've got pieces from Kevin Clark, Miles Surrey, from me, from Shocker, from Micah Peters. Coming up, Kevin's looking at what makes a good World Cup and why do we always freak out about whether or not the World Cup is good while it's going on. Miles will be looking at how the Fox broadcast team um, has done a week into the tournament. So check that out. We'll have more stuff as the tournament rolls on. And if you can peel yourself away from the World Cup for a couple hours, you need to do some NBA draft prep with the draft coming up on Thursday. We have the Ringer NBA show running all week. We've got, we're going to have live draft coverage on Thursday night. We also have the One Shining podcast duo giving you the college basketball perspective on these young men who will soon become millionaires and turn pro. So check out The Ringer for just the ongoing stream of NBA draft coverage and World Cup coverage. We've got you covered in every way. Donnie Kwok of the Ringer.com and welcome to Ringer FC World Cup Edition Match Day 6 Chaos with my master of chaos Ryan O'Hanlon what's up Ryan? Yesterday I thought football was coming home and then today I learned football is already home <laughs> The Russia-Senegal <laughs> final is that what you're talking about? Yes exactly Just a quick rundown of what happened today uh, Tournament first we had our first red card Yep. We had the first points for an African team. Uh, we had the first team likely eliminated. Historical first, first Asian side to beat a South American side. And then also, Ryan, the first goal I've seen from a sub running onto the pitch like a hockey player breaking out of the penalty yeah. box. That's a first in the history of soccer. That's a first <laughs> I would argue. <laughs> so we'll go into details now. First of all, let's talk about the match we just watched. Uh, the aforementioned likely eliminated team, uh, Egypt, poor Mo Salah. He started... But they lost to Russia, 3-1 to one, the hosts. Is Russia, I guess, should we be taking them seriously now? I mean, everybody said the 5-0 against Saudi Arabia was sort of an aberration. Uh, they, they handed it to Egypt pretty good. I still have no idea how to feel about Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Saudi Arabia, again, that, was, that seemed like a, as we're learning, Saudi Arabia is a, just a stepping stone on the path to setting a World Cup record, basically, in the history of the World Cup. Totally. Um, and this game was, I don't know, the first half was pretty even, right? And yeah. second half breaks open with an own goal and then two pretty nice Russia goals. I, I mean, I think I'm still in this group is actually as easy as everyone said it, it said it was, but I, I, we also underestimated Russia at the same time, I think are the, the two things I would say. But I think I'm still with the winner and second place teams in this group likely matching up with Portugal and Spain. I think I'm still... Uh, relatively bearish on Russia's, Russia's chances at this point. Did, did you, so everybody was obviously talking about uh, Salah's return and he started today. He scored. I mean, he, he had a penalty. Uh, otherwise, what did you make of his performance? I thought he was fine. 
he looked lively, I think, when he got on the ball, but he looked a little rusty. Uh, to me, the biggest thing was like, Egypt was playing him in the same role that Liverpool plays him in, and Liverpool like has a ton of world-class players that let Salah dominate a match from the right wing. <laughs> <laughs> but Egypt doesn't. And I, Trezeguet it, wasn't that bad. Trezeguet wasn't bad, but you know then you have Trezeguet on the opposite side of the field almost and kind of separating your two best players from really combining that much. Right. Um, I think I would have just liked to see him just be in the middle, you know, be in more dangerous positions. Um, he looked okay. Didn't, didn't really create much, but... Um, didn't look unhealthy, though. He looked 100% to me. No, and that's I, I find it weird that he wasn't able to play at all <laughs> in the previous game based on how he looked today. Right. Again, that's the intricacies of shoulder injuries, I guess. But, um, you know, it, it's a shame that his World Cup is essentially over before it started. Yeah, and the World Cup is definitely not over for our new cult hero, Artin Vuba, <laughs> who scored again. He's well <laughs> on his way to a golden boot. I guess he's trailing Cristiano Ronaldo still, but and I guess Kane and Lukaku, but... He had a nice goal today. I mean, he he came in in the first game and scored on that header, and he's so comical looking that you didn't necessarily think he'd be good with his feet. And he, it was a nice goal. I, I think he's quickly going to become sort of a cult hero, at least in Russia. He seems like a the poster boy for lower-tier English team. Buys him as a quote-unquote plan B. 6'5", <laughs> <laughs> probably like two, 220. He... I'd heard Looks a couple. Like a boxer. I'd heard a couple, and then the fact that he wears number twenty-two makes him look <laughs> even bigger. I think that Jared uh, Lorenzen shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, a lot of Russian journalists were bashing him coming into the tournament. There's a. I don't know what the Russian word is, but they call him a tree, as in right. like he's rooted to the ground and can't right. do anything with his feet. But he actually like. I mean, he kind of stumbled into that goal he scored, but <laughs> he has decent footwork. Um, yeah. But I guess that's kind of how it always is with these tall guys. It's almost like they wouldn't be on the field if they weren't at least somewhat competent with the ball at their feet. Um, yeah, and he plays for, I hear, I read, Arsenal he Arsenal Tula. He Not Arsenal, but Arsenal Tula. So, uh, dime to a dollar, you've never seen or heard of him before this tournament, but you've definitely heard of him now. Uh, you mentioned the own goal that opened the game. Some of the trends we've been seeing, every team now has played uh, um, at least one match. I think we've had, I, I tallied this, so don't, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but 43 total <laughs> goals, 12 from set pieces, seven penalties, and five own goals, which is actually the second most ever in a World Cup, and we're only, what, 17 matches in. Yep. What's up with the, uh, the own goal, the prevalence of own goals? Is there like a, if, something to explain that? If I had to put a theory on it, I think it would be probably what the prevalence of teams playing really deep so there's more bodies in the box and it's more likely right. that there's a deflection but right trying to block shots and throw their bodies in front yeah, of things and that that seems like kind of the the easiest explanation for that but i mean the um the poland the senegal on goal today was kind of that wasn't really the situation so it's probably more random than anything the the own goal thing i, I think some of the other stuff is the penalties i guess you could chalk up to var um, we saw VAR again in action today. We've seen it in action every day uh, so far, except I think the first day or two. Um, have you? Does do you have an opinion on of VAR one way or another? Successful, not successful, still remains to be seen. I think it's interesting that it's kind of 
not being universally used still across Europe, and yet it's being used in the World Cup because it's an it's an obvious it's obvious that VAR just leads to more penalties. I think, <laughs> right? Um, which I think over time will lead to probably defenders being smarter about how they defend in the box because the award for fouling someone in the box is often greatly like outweighs the action of what you did in the box. You know, like right. you could be taking a trip a guy when he's dribbling out of the box. But I think with VAR becoming a thing for a lot of these players for the first time at the World Cup, it, it's it's just led us to this situation, I think, where there are just a ton of penalties. I think over the long run with it in the game, I think it'll, I don't think penalty rates will stay super high, but I think it, it makes a lot of sense that they're high right now. Yeah, I think what you're seeing too is referees not calling the penalty as it happens and having VAR as kind of, uh, you know, like a safety net yep. and and looking at the video and then calling it, I guess, retroactively. Um, I, I don't know if that's a positive or negative development, but I, to me, as long, I mean, we saw it in Sweden and Korea yesterday. As long as they get it right, it seems to be just at least, and it doesn't seem to be disrupting the game that much, which seems to be a concern for a lot of traditionalists. Yeah, I think that that's what was my biggest worry, but it's it's really shockingly been pretty smooth. Yeah. so far which means I mean, I, I, means the final it, the final is going to get decided by VAR is what, <laughs> what that means you have to imagine it, it's like legalizing marijuana or something state by state <laughs> primarily we'll have it soon but yeah. I do find it funny too how players now the pantomime used to be reaching in their pocket for the imaginary card and now it's like making the square it's, everybody it, cr- surrounds the rep and makes the square I love how quickly that caught on and then <laughs> then the ref response where they just point at their watch and do the shrug because <laughs> no one buzzed it <laughs> yeah, yeah, sign of the times. Anyway, earlier today, uh, we were talking about Group H yesterday and, and being the group of chaos, and it proved. Um, Senegal. Mm-hmm. Senegal is my new favorite team in this World Cup. Um, they, beat, they beat Poland 2-1. to one. First points, as I mentioned, from an African side this tournament, another own goal to start. But overall, Senegal, we were talking about it during the match. It looks like they have like six center backs. On their team, and it's because they have a lot of tall guys, but also because they're so defensively compact and sound, and uh, they were really frustrating Poland. It's It was interesting. Like, it felt like Senegal played, like, a pretty open game, and yet they were also extremely defensively solid, um, which is kind of an impressive thing to pull off. Um, I think it, go, it almost speaks to a little bit what, what we were saying yesterday in that Senegal just has a lot of, solid players you know <laughs> and it's like put all those guys in the field together and they can stymie a team I mean Koulibaly as you referred to him off air as your new man crush yeah. um, just bossing Lewandowski he bossed boss Lewandowski and, and Milik basically yeah. single handedly <laughs> stopped both of them um, and I guess we should talk a little bit about the uh, the Woj bomb the <laughs> Wojciech Chesney. You know, it wasn't a good day for Arsenal keepers. We'll get to the Columbia match after, but I mean, do you want to set the scene, Ryan, of what happened? It was the 60th minute. Yeah, so Mbai Niang had went off injured, uh, and I think a lot of Poland players did not think he was actually injured, but he, he still went off, and he's kind of waiting to get uh, brought back onto the field. And the refs typically wait until there's sort of a lull in the action to introduce the injured player back on the field. And it, there was a lull in the action, but right as the ref allows him back on the field, uh, Gregor Krakowiak hits a weird volley 30 to 40 yards back <laughs> toward his goal between his keeper 
and his center back. And I think he, he was probably aiming for the center back, right? Yeah. He it, couldn't have imagined it would get all the way back to Chesney. Yes. From, yeah. It was a bad pass, but he didn't think that there was anyone else near the ball, so he could could in theory make a bad pass, yet there was a guy parallel to where he passed the ball who then came sprinting on a 90-degree angle onto the field. The center back didn't see him at all, and I think Chesney did see him, right? So Chesney just comes... Seemed to, probably out his peripheral. Flying out of the goal, but can't get to it. Um, Niang touches the ball by Chesney and uh, taps it in and just really uh, ups the XG for Senegal <laughs> by tapping it in. Yeah, so immediately after that play happened, we were thinking, of course, who do we blame? Uh, the referees? Do we blame uh, Kroyak? Sorry, I'm mispronouncing. Or Chesney? It's tough for me to say. I, I think I would almost blame Krakowiak because, like, making a lazy pass is never a good thing, I think, no matter what the situation. Because, like, for me, the ref thought that the game was kind of just settled, right? And then all of a sudden, Krakowiak plays this wild pass, <laughs> you know? And I think Chesney... Krakowiak probably, though, in, to, in his defense, wouldn't imagine that Nyang would be running onto the exactly, pitch. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's almost like I... Don't even want to blame anyone. I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I think that's how you get such a crazy situation like that. And, the, and as you said, the laws of the game, I don't know exactly how it's worded, but it's, a, it's like you said, a lull in the play, or it's the referee's discretion, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the referee's discretion, but he's just supposed to allow the guy back on the field in a way that won't have a bizarre impact on the game, which <laughs> is the exact opposite of what happened. <laughs> right. So that was the second Senegal goal. That put them up 2-0. Uh, Krakowiak kind of redeemed himself a little bit. He had a yeah. header toward the end, so it made it tight. But Senegal won, and Cisse, the manager we talked about yesterday, some great gifts that you were sending my way of him doing what, I don't know what a, he was a doing. Cat, some uh, A cat thing? Or, just looking bump. regal, celebrating. Um... I read something, in, uh, I think, on The Guardian about Cisse and in his preparation for, or in the run-up to this game. He he just had a moment where he reflected on being the manager and he and he just shed tears of pride. So, I mean, it's hard not to root for this team. And the fans are amazing. They had those uh, guys in the white body paint with Senegal all over the chest. And then the, the players, after the game, ran over to one set of fans, did their... Senegalese dance and then ran to the other side of the field to the other set of fans and dance with them too. The team, the team is just fun. And Cisse, is fun. Cisse is, I think he's the youngest manager in the tournament and I believe he's the first uh, play, person to ever captain and then manage the same team at the World Cup. That's incredible. So shout That's out incredible. to him. One player to look out for uh, on Senegal to me that stood out was the left back, Sabali. I actually don't even know his first name. Number 12, I think he normally plays on the right side. He plays for Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. He was very active, very good. I, you know, reading all of the uh, reports about the players, it's like all of them are like midfielders slash defenders. So that six center backs thing isn't too far from the truth. Yep. I think they're all kind of interchangeable, but they're just like a collective team. And mm -hmm. that's to me is palpable when you see them play, that they know their roles. And uh, they have like a collective will. And again, it's one game, but I, I really hope they make it to the knockout round. I mean, I think they're 538 has them at 60 percent. I mean, I think 60%. they're does 538 have this group still the most sort of unclear, right? Yes, Japan's 74 percent, and that's the lowest of a favorite, and Poland's still at 26 percent, which is the highest of the fourth fourth uh, place team. So I think it's if you're a fan of any of these teams, 
don't start crying just yet. <laughs> right. We should get to Japan. Uh, as I mentioned, first time ever in the World Cup for an Asian side to beat a South American side. They beat Colombia in the early game two to one, uh, making actually that Colombia Poland game basically a knockout match in the next round. I mean, in the ne- uh, in the next round of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, of course, there was a red card in the third minute. Carlos Sanchez, the Rock, they call him. He was red carded for a handball. The, the ball looked like it was going in. Kagao. I mean, honestly, the play was started because Davis and Sanchez of Tottenham made a pretty bad mistake yep. letting Kagawa get by him. Um, the shot looked like it was headed in. Sanchez was not very far from him. Uh, his arm was in a very awkward position. It was definitely a handball. I thought the red card was a little harsh. What did you think? Again, it, it's what I was saying yesterday. Like, if they just gave me yellow, would anyone have been really upset about that? Yeah, because you're giving them the PK. Especially since you're giving the penalty, right? Um, yeah. I guess the strict reading of the laws of the game is... Um, well, yeah, the strict the laws read, the actual wording is deliberate. Mm-hmm. It, it, is the word that has to... It carries a lot of weight, deliberate. Yeah, that's... When I think of deliberate, you think of Suarez, 2010 against Ghana. That's deliberate. He yeah. literally raised his arm <laughs> yeah. to, to volleyball the ball away. I mean, Sanchez, I mean, the, it was a hard shot from close range, and his arm was extended for sure. And he tried to kind of, he really did try to get his chest to it, it felt like. It, he did. It was just bang, bang. And to award the penalty and send him off, and he's suspended for the next game. That's that seems tough. like the death penalty, yeah, for like breaking a window. I, 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 you've, you've convinced me. Yeah. Uh, the first thing actually that I woke up to this morning was uh, ESPN notification that James wasn't starting. So that affected the game as well. He came on in the 60th minute and looked decent. Uh, but, you know, Colombia, that red card basically ruined the game for them. They, they tied, uh, Kagawa scored the subsequent penalty and, and uh, Colombia equalized. Uh, but as what happens usually with 10 man teams that have to play that way for a long time, uh, they wilted uh, in the second half. And, it was an Osako header, I think. I don't know what minute it was, but I know it was a it was a set piece goal. Yeah, that was the difference. Another. Is this is this it for Colombia? I guess. I mean, oof, that's it, it, it. Think about the circumstances leading to and after through and after this game. It's like no Ames, red card, suspension to your midfield anchor, it, no points. <laughs> it's like what could be worse? It feels like a worst case scenario, but but I guess if you wanted to take the silver lining out of it. Um, the silver lining would be you follow the line of thinking of the Fox announcers, which is that Poland <laughs> losing to Senegal was an all-time historic World Cup upset. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was actually a good result for Colombia in, in that regard, in that the quote-unquote other best team in the group lost. Yeah. Um, but but like I said, I, th- I think it's four points, I guess, is typically enough to get you through, and then... If you get six, you're going to get through still. I think with Columbia, I guess I should apologize to anyone who uh, watched <laughs> our videos and placed a bet on Columbia like winning, <laughs> winning the good. World Cup, <laughs> including our boss. Um, so this might be my last podcast um, <laughs> as an employee. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, one, don't bet on soccer. Um, that's the first thing. And two, it's like, there's just nothing you can say about this game from a Columbia perspective because it's... The red card happens. The game's basically unanalyzable, and their best player only played thirty minutes. Um, do you think? Do you think? Uh, you mentioned the commentators. Um, do you think it's something about like the Americanization of the coverage that kind of compels them to tout every both of these games as like humongous upsets when in reality they aren't really that big of upsets? I mean, I guess if you look at FIFA rankings, maybe. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a byproduct of using FIFA rankings, um, which you can game pretty easily, which Poland did by not playing a friendly between the end of the Euros and the end of <laughs> World Cup qualifying, which friendlies just dilute um, your standing in FIFA. And I think it's also it's. Even with there, if you anyone watched Fox today, there was kind of a constant drumbeat from the Fox crew of "We have an incredible scoop," and then it's like Neymar limping off a field, and they don't say anything about it, and they keep sort of teasing that, and ultimately it's just Neymar like has an ankle knock. The Brazilian Federation's not worried about it at all. At all. <laughs> and, like a Daily Mail, exactly, and no one else, no one else is reporting on the injury. You know, so it's like they're definitely striving toward trying to tell us that everything is the biggest thing that ever happened, which the World Cup kind of just does that on its own. I don't, I don't yeah. think you need to do that. I mean, in fairness, I guess Japan over Colombia, Senegal over Poland are mildly surprising. Yeah. But yeah, they're not huge historical upsets by any means. No, absolutely not. So every every team has played once. Uh, of course, Russia and Egypt now play twice. We talked about some of the trends. Is there anything else that stands out to you as sort of something to think about as we go into the second round of the group stage? I think the biggest thing for me is kind of how this can throw the bracket into a little bit of chaos. Um, if you look at 538's projections, um, they have Germany meeting Brazil and France meeting Argentina in the round of 16. <laughs> Which means that the, bo- the bottom of the bracket, if that happens, could be just completely wide open in that one of the Group H teams, um, the second-place team from England, Belgium, um, is going to, and Mexico, like one of those teams will make the World Cup semifinals, basically. Um, so I think that's the thing uh, to keep an eye on because I think look if you looked at the bracket before the tournament, it actually was kind of like, oh, you know, Germany and Brazil are on opposite sides. France and Spain are on opposite sides. France, Spain, Germany, Brazil, that's a pretty easy kind of prediction for the final four but if things go how they're projected to go right now uh, it's going to be kind of a wild knockout stage which which will be fun i think yeah and that wraps up match day six after the break we'll go into match day seven this summer there is a huge soccer tournament have you guys heard of it unfortunately the united states men's national team did not make it but guess who did iceland Reka Vodka is recruiting you, yes, you, to be an honorary Icelander and cheer for Iceland this summer. Iceland is the smallest nation to ever qualify, and they also take the field in the red, the white, and the blue. It's the perfect match. So when you cheer for Iceland, you get to do the Icelandic Viking chant as well. It's easy. Just follow along with me. And most importantly, Iceland makes delicious Reka Vodka perfect for celebrating any victory. So go to Reika.com to get Team Iceland gear and find a viewing party near you. That's R-E-Y-K-A.com. Real fans drink responsibly. Reika Vodka, 40% alcohol by volume, 80% proof, distilled from grain. Copyright 2018, William Grant & Sons, New York, New York. All right, match day seven, Ryan. This is where it starts getting fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can start smelling the knockout round uh, as teams now are playing their second games so tomorrow we have group b portugal and morocco iran versus spain and then the other group a matchup which is uruguay versus saudi arabia which of the three ryan do you have your eye on uh portugal morocco to why to me to me this was going to be a pretty important game coming into the tournament because i thought morocco had had some dark horse potential thought 
Spain would probably be Portugal and but that was all premised on uh, Morocco not losing to Iran. Um, so right. now it's kind of a must-win game for Port- for Morocco. Um, Morocco looked okay against Iran, uh, at least in the first half. They just they lost had, in the cruelest possible way. Yeah, on an own goal, didn't give up a shot on target in the second half and still managed to uh, <laughs> lose the game in the second half, which is becoming a theme of the World Cup. Uh, just teams not getting shots on target but still scoring. But... Um, they're actually kind of similar teams in that they both kind of try to press a little bit, and they also rely on crosses a lot. Right. And I, I think it'll just be interesting. I'm just looking forward to seeing Portugal and Spain play teams that aren't Portugal and Spain because I, <laughs> I think, you know, I think Spain had a lot to take out of that game that they should have liked, and Ronaldo just went supernova against Spain. So, you know, is that the only way Portugal is going to win with Ronaldo just blowing up every game or do they have or do they have you know is Gonzalo Geddes gonna show up yeah not take 15 touches in the box when he can sort of tap the ball in Um, so I think I think it's two interesting teams that play in an interesting way I don't think it's an easy game for Portugal Um, and then it's just you know watching Ronaldo in what is presumably the last World Cup um, with him at sort of the, the top of the game is just you can't pass that up yeah, just a historical note that Portugal's only loss in the World Cup to African competition was to Morocco, 3-1, to one, group stage 86 in Mexico. As for Iran versus Spain, we mentioned how Iran stifled Morocco and then kind of luckily got the own goal in the 95th. We also mentioned in our preview that that's kind of how they play. Is that possible for that to happen against uh, Spain? I, I, Carlos Quiroz actually was quoted... This is his quote here. If the game against Morocco was the World Cup final for us, the game against Spain will be the Universe Cup final. <laughs> so he knows already it's going to be a tall task to try to negate Spain for, for 90 minutes. There's nothing but fire coming out of uh, Carlos Quiroz's mouth. <laughs> he knows how to play this game. He knows Spanish football too. So That's true. I have former Portugal manager, actually. Um, yeah. And buddies with Yero. I don't think they overlapped at Real Madrid, but uh, he knows him, so... Again, and we, we have to say this every time we mention him, he used to manage the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. <laughs> so, Did he manage Tony Miola? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so many so many inter, you know, concentric circles. I know. This is the, despite the U.S. not being in it, this is the World Cup of MLS. <laughs> um, I, I don't see it happening, especially since like Spain can still pass anyone to death. But having that Diego Costa factor um, in a game like this seems like it would be super helpful. It's still kind of weird to me watching Diego Costa play with Spain because it does feel a little bit like Spain has 10 players and then Diego Costa is just also on the field playing a different (laughs) game. Um, But I think that's more of a worry against a better team. And I think with Iran kind of um, just destined to pack it in and try to play on the break, I think you know, Costa's that battering ram, right, that can break down a packed-in defense. So I, I don't I don't think Iran's going to pull it out, but they're, they're, they are a tough team to play against. They are. I mean, we didn't, nobody, as far as I know, really mentioned Diego Costa as a golden boot candidate. Um, he has two, and the way he scored at least the first one kind of seems to bode well for his golden boot chances because it seems like a, a plan B or C for Spain to just boot the ball up to him and see what he can do. Well, yeah, and and it's like the two, the goal came on him just bowling through five people, and then on a set piece. So it's like he's already got two, and that's without 
sort of the platter of chances that you would expect Spain to just be creating for whoever their striker is. Right. One thing, actually, we we mentioned how many goals had come from set pieces and and penalties and own goals. Not a lot from open play. Is that no. is that a result of a lot of these sort of uh, negative teams? Uh, I think there's some of that. Then there's just some of it's just hard to get team-wide coordination, <laughs> you know, in a sort of unscripted way, while it's much easier to do it through set pieces. Right. Um, and I think teams, it, teams are probably just getting a little smarter about, like, if you're a national team, you only have so much prep time, you might as well, like, draw up a bunch of free kick plays. Um, <laughs> and I'm I, waiting to see some really cool, like, innovative set piece plays. I think we saw one, actually. It was a Morocco. I forget. Yeah, I forget, too. I, I mean, the guy whiffed. I think it was Zayek, actually, who whiffed on... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was lab, on the corner. Elaborate. A corner, yeah. right? And then he got the ball right at the top of the... It was perfect, well, that's, and he just whiffed. And that's the thing about that play. Now that's on tape, and they can never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other game, Group A, Uruguay, Saudi Arabia. We joked a lot about... A lot of people have joked at Saudi Arabia's expense, but it's important to note they lost 8 nothing their first match against... That's the closer game, I guess, in 2002. Yeah. And then their next match, they lost one nothing. So you have to imagine that the Saudi Arabians have been reading a lot of press about how terrible they are. In fact, I read that the Saudi Football Federation has been promising, it's kind of ambiguous here, penalties to players for their shameful, quote-unquote, performance That's against Russia. So Extremely foreboding. Yeah. More maybe on the line than just, you know, their pride here. But do you think that Uruguay, Russia beat Saudi Arabia 5-0? How many do you think Uruguay is going to get? Suarez, Suarez has to be better than he did, than he was against Egypt, right? Yeah, you would imagine. Um, it's tough because it's like, didn't you feel like Saudi Arabia was not at all equipped to even play like a bunkered in style because of how small their team is? Yeah, it was, I think also, yeah, they've given up like 14 goals or something on set pieces, which is the most, you know, it's like they... So it's like Godin and uh, Jose Jimenez are just going to each have like hat tricks off of corner kicks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think you, I know, I think you probably agree that it seems like Saudi Arabia is now in damage control mode and they're not, right. they just don't want to lose another game 5 nothing. Um, right. So that they're probably going to change the way that they play for sure, but... Maybe less playing it out of the back, less yeah. tiki-taka, more... <laughs> boot the ball to nowhere but I I don't know if the team is at all equipped to even do that so I guess I'm still worried for them (laughs) it would be really sad if they lost like 7-0 sad and perhaps actually bad for their players based on what the football federation has said I hope that doesn't doesn't happen for the players sake but at the same time it's also like Uruguay probably needs wants to boost their goal differential right to maybe get the tiebreaker ahead of Russia. So oh, that's what you I think you sent me the stat that Russia has the biggest goal differential for the host nation since France 98. Yeah, it's tied for the biggest ever. Um any team at 7 goals now? Yeah, 7 cuz Egypt scored that penalty. Any team, any host nation with a goal differential over 4 after two games has won the World Cup. So <laughs> we we already said it at the top of the show it's Russia Senegal. It is. And one more thing about Saudi Arabia, you know, their plane actually caught fire Yeah. <laughs> uh, before they, I shouldn't laugh at that, but before they landed in Rostov, like apparently a bird caught, a bird flew into the engine, uh, but the plane landed safely, thankfully. It's just not, it's not Russia, uh, Saudi Arabia's World Cup. <laughs> yeah, it really isn't. <laughs> 
So that about does it. Thank you again, Ryan. Thanks, Donnie. And we'll be back tomorrow. Peace. Peace.